Minnesota Vikings fans, welcome back to the Purple People Eaters podcast. He's Aaron. I'm Chris. And, you know, we found a little time here to talk some Vikings free agency rap. Now, could there be some veterans, a veteran or two that, you know, the Vikes could still sign in the coming weeks after the draft and, you know, somewhere in training camp? Sure, definitely. But pretty much, you know, there's definitely names out there. We were just talking off air, Sheldon Richardson, you know. He would be another guy that would be nice addition there because we know him, you know. Um, but we figure that's about it, right? So we're going to do a little rap show on it, talk about, you know, some of the, the folks that went, obviously Pierce and, and Barr stand out there, and some of the signings that we were able to uh, get done. Basically just one splash guy, Zadarius Smith. Uh, it was nice to, uh, even though it took maybe a week too long <laughs> for our liking, but it was nice to get Pat P back. Um, so we'll just talk about, you know, the minuses and additions and just kind of, you know, Look at the roster going in to this draft, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. If this is your first time listening to the Purple People Leaders podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropadope Radio. You don't need to go to Blog Talk and Ropadope and download the show there directly or listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find this here Vikings podcast on the Ropadope Radio platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. Someone has been telling me, hey, that's where I do it. Um, we're also part of the Grueling Chew Sports Podcast Network. Once I said, once again, they are having some issues there. Hopefully, uh, things are going to be okay on the, on the plus side. I guess you could say it's off the field issues. Um, but head on over to thegrillingtruth.com either way. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgraded the Choice or Ultimate Package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fee, like Bally's here. Bally's a little bit more difficult to get on some cable packages. Hopefully, they get that app figured out. Um, but I know there's a lot of detail to that that they have to work out with the contracts. If you go all the way to the Premier Package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime already included. That's Direct TV Street. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Aaron. We've had a couple of nice days, a little windy, good days for sailing early in the year. Um, but it's nice to at least, well, we jumped up to the 60s, uh, you know, the other day. Obviously, it looks like it may hopefully knock on wood rain and it's not snow tomorrow and the next day. But overall, how you doing 11 days into April, sir? I'm doing well 11 days into April. And, yeah, this forecast is sometimes snow, sometimes rain. It's going to be something or it's going to be nothing. We don't know. It's Minnesota, so we'll deal with that. But, yeah, uh, you know. Keeping up with this off season has been a little bit strange, I think, just because of all the changes and GM and coach and everything, but, um, and not really knowing what to expect. And, you know, now we're going to go into a draft where we don't really know a lot about tendencies of what people want to move up or move down. And, 
you know, we used to kind of know the, the draft MO and, uh, we don't really know that anymore that Trader Rick is gone. But, and so, you know, it was a little bit interesting to see the free agent signings and try to calculate what that meant for the squad. But, you know, I think overall it kind of seemed like ho hum in a way, kind of, uh, business as usual, even though different, uh, characters are in charge of it all. Yeah, it is funny how, especially going into the draft, it, we really don't know what to expect. Um, we have some gauges. We have, you know, some of the rhetoric and possible game plan that they're looking at that you can kind of see a little bit. But, um, you know, if they move back, Twitter's just going to go apeshit. They're going to go nuts. Even if both top corners aren't there and, you know, a variety of folks aren't there to draft and it'd be smart to move back. They're going to be like, see, dude, it's the same shit. Everything's the same. There's no different. Uh, take the mask off, Spielman, you know, because we've already seen those memes uh, with the Scooby-Dooby-Doo uh, mask stuff. And you're like, all right, dude. Uh, I get it. It's funny. But in, a, in one way, I, I am very excited to kind of see the, the blend and flow. Um, one thing I'll say with limited resources, and by the way, I do have a cap hell uh, 2.0 rant coming up. And there's a new narrative that we will talk about that the media is running with. Um, already, they're already, they, 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 you know, they got two years out of this, a lot of, a lot of hits, uh, and listens. They got a lot out of it. I'll give them credit there. They're great at their job or good to great, very good at their job, some of them. But boy, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> wow. Anyway, I do like, like the le- the quality level that they brought in, um, like I said, the only splash they made, which in Cap Hell you can't make a splash, but the Zedarius, that was a huge splash. But other than that, you know, it, 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 I like that they're bringing in solid guys who fill roles um, in fit. And I think sometimes people can get lost in free agency you know, we see a lot of guys get signed, and two two years later they get cut, and it's not always because of injury. Sometimes it's because of age; they took a risk or whatever. And sometimes they just overpay, um, and that's what you do. You generally do that in free agency. You do overpay. Sometimes it's well worth it to overpay a guy. But of course, you'd always like to have you know to draft somebody or bring them in when they're developing. You know, to where they showed some signs, and then you can re-sign them, extend them. And, and it's kind of good for both sides as far as the cap. Um, the three, and, and by the way, we were in another COVID year, and it felt like, and I mean that on the cap, because as we know, the last years the cap didn't go up as much as they thought when they signed some of these deals a couple of years back. And we've seen, I mean, this offseason is like an NBA offseason with the trades. I mean, there was just the crazy amount of trades and a crazy amount of, he got cut? Holy crap, are you serious? Like, so um, that's one thing before we talk about who's not coming back. Pierce technically was the only guy that got cut. Um, but Barr and Conklin obviously have been on the team for the last couple of years, especially Barr. Um, but this was a wild-ass offseason. Uh, does that set the stage to it, you know, for the draft? We'll see. But I, I think the COVID cuts – 
And, you know, like Green Bay, you know, with the trade, you know, of the, the stud wide receiver who it really, you know, it, it doesn't matter what corner we had on him. Even if he was close to him, the guy would just find a way to catch the ball on us. I didn't feel too sad about that uh, trade, uh, taking the best weapon away from uh, our guy Rodgers. Um, but, yeah, this offseason was nuts. Hasn't it been? It just, like I said, it has that NBA feel where you're like, I've never seen this amount of, like, high-level trades. Or at least yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's the names that are, you know, usually you'll see this linebacker go there offensive lineman or something, you know, teams filling needs and, and things like that. But this has been a lot of big names moving in a lot of big deals. And, you know, uh, some of the guys on our squad that have kind of become staples, Conklin being one, not a necessity because Irv Smith can't seem to stay healthy. And then you have, uh, you know, guys that you lose. Uh, the other guy you mentioned too was the surprising things, but to watch uh, after all the praise of Rogers and, and the receiver and all of a sudden he's gone out to, Las Vegas of all places. Uh, it's just kind of shocking. And, you know, my biggest surprise was, okay, when are we going to dress corner? Because we don't know what Pat P is going to do. And, uh, turned out to sort of work out because Pat P came back. But, you know, we have a serious, uh, just numbers problem really at the cornerback position. And everybody thinks the draft is going to solve that. But, you know, corners take a little bit of time to develop. I don't know if you get Stingley. Maybe he can come in and do it right away, but he's not going to probably be a, a Pro Bowl corner in his first year. So it's like, you know, we have to fill that need. And they did a little bit of that in, in free agency, getting guys, I think, are depth and maybe it may be a starting uh, nickel corner. But, you know, that's a glaring need at this moment. And then, of course, Chris, like broken records, we talk about the interior offensive line. Yeah, and we'll get into the details of that stuff. But just the off season was just, it, oh my god, I couldn't believe all the shit that went down. Um, and let's talk about it um, on the quality role player that had to step up last year. You mentioned it, Conklin, because Herb was uh, hurt for the whole season, didn't play it down. Um, coming off a great preseason game too, where it's like, oh, see, that's what we're talking about. And really closing last uh, twenty twenty, like, yeah, this dude's turning the page, you know. And that's kind of how, you know, this stuff works sometimes. Like, sure, we cut Rudolph, but it was for a reason, right? And it seemed legit, but then an injury happens. And Conklin was very solid. Um, but now Rudolph is cut again, you know? So it's, it's – especially when you get into your 30s, you can kind of bounce around. But Conklin, the only thing that kind of bugs me about the Conklin – because let's face it, if Irv Smith plays – Conklin's back on the team because he doesn't have as much, he doesn't have as many catches and he doesn't put all that on tape for someone to go, Hey, he's pretty solid, dude. We could add him for good money. Um, but the thing that gets me is we, because, you know, because uh, our guy Irv went down, we, what was it? A fourth rounder to the jets. Right. And that guy came in and blocked for the most part, the killer though, and this is where don't do any kind of trades with Baltimore. Spielman, we knew that for a while, right? But the Jets ended up signing Conklin. So, Aaron, they got a fourth rounder off of us, and they got Conklin. It's like, oh, and I know that the Vikes did uh, get more of a blocking tight end, a veteran blocking tight end, and you would assume uh, that we're going to see even more three wide receiver sets than we did last year just because of the new system and whatnot. But, you know, Conklin – 
will be missed as far as depth, I'll say that. Hopefully Irv Smith uh, can stay healthy because, you know, that year, that 2020, he really showed a lot. Yeah, and, you know, good thing that Spielman's gone or we'd probably see Rudolph returning back here again on cheap money. And, <laughs> you know, it's time to move the page, but, like, you know, Irv has got to stay healthy and losing Conklin, and that's a little funny what you said about the Jets, too, because I, I didn't look at it in that perspective yet. And, uh, you know, they're still a little bit mad about us getting cousins. and It's kind of a funny how these things work out. And, yeah, that's right. Bar, too. It's bar yep, yep, that was another one. And also, you know, these fourth-round picks are not garbage either. And no. you just throw that over there, you know, for a guy that caught one touchdown, and I didn't see a heck of a lot of him on the field. I know he did play a little bit, but that was just a spell Conklin. And, you know, it would be nice to have him for depth. I think that's like you said, even Irv, just to know you have someone else. And yeah, they did sign someone else, but he's kind of unproven. I think they'll probably address tight end in the draft. They're going to have to, but yeah, I mean, Sidarius, that's a great signing. I liked it. And, uh, but it was a surprise, Chris. I was very surprised to see that. Well, we'll get to that stuff. Let's try to stay on course. The cuts, the, the ones that are going out now bar is a player that's been very productive for the Vikings since he's got here. Obviously, a lot of people um, enjoyed uh, what he was able to do in his first two years when they had him, uh, you know, in a different role. Um, When he got more responsibility, it wasn't as many flashy plays as we saw. You know, really coming around that edge, you know, coming down the gut, just being a nightmare to whoever was a quarterback, it seemed. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. The writing was kind of on the wall. Um, health obviously plays a factor there. Um, but what do you think about Barr? No Barr. Uh, you know, obviously he's been around since, what, 2013 or something like that? Well, I think – You've made it clear to me it's probably more a money issue than anything else. I mean, I, I think I like Barr, and I like him in a 3-4. Now his body seems to be breaking down a little bit. We touched on that in the season. Um, he just can't seem to stay really healthy for an extended amount of time since his big injuries. So that's a, definitely a, a detractor there. But I think you could find ways to use him if he's willing to, to you know, work for whatever you can pay him. I know – I think you mentioned to me off the air that we still are, you know, we still owe him some cash, uh, whether he plays or not for us. So maybe you could add a little bit to that, but I'd like to see him back. I think he could be a useful piece if he stays healthy, but at the same time, if, if he's gone, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, but I think to have him with Kendricks and, and, you know, maybe with Harrison and the guys he's played with for a long time, maybe something steady. I don't think he was any kind of like cancer in the locker room or anything like that. Of course no. we don't know, but. You know, I think it's something that they should, they're probably working on now, or maybe they're not. I, I get the feeling that they probably like to see Barr back, but, uh, we, just the silence for me is the real question. I haven't heard anything about Barr's situation, uh, since the end of the season and not from him, not from the team, not from the media. It's been fairly silent, which makes me, you know, a little bit weary of what's going on. Maybe a doctor knows something we don't or, but I guess overall, my opinion would be like if you can get him back and he's willing to to play for you for whatever it is you're going to pay him. I think it's only a bonus to have him back. It would be a bonus. Um, I think it's. I'm not going to say it's overkill because I'd take it. You know, 
I, I'll gladly take overkill at a position, but I'd rather probably sign like a, a veteran safety or something like that because we probably won't have or Sheldon Richardson or something like that. But yeah, you won't see me complaining either. That's a good point because obviously if they brought him back, they would clearly have a role for him and he would have probably accepted it, right? Because that would be the the back and forth. And you're right. That's a good point that you made, Aaron. Like you wonder if those x-rays or if those workouts or if he has worked out. I just checked to, to double check to see if he was still available. And yeah, he's like right there at the top, you know, one of the top five guys at linebacker still available in the free agency. And you can go down corner, you can go down a couple different places and see that. And, you know, some of it may be that, but it also may be the COVID stuff to where they're like, hey, we don't have as much money as we thought. Um, We don't really want to spend too much money on a 30-year-old that's had a little, you know, somewhat. Well, last year he did, took him a while to get back. I think he played 13 or 11 games last year. But, yeah, of course, the year before he only played like two, so. Yeah, we'll see. I definitely won't complain if he's back because, like you said, they, they probably have found a good role for him. I just don't know if he'd want to have to compete for a spot, and it feels like that edge outside linebacker 3-4 is kind of filled at this point uh, as far as on paper and, and healthy, you know, but, but we don't know about that for sure. Now, Michael Pierce, um, you know, this one hurt a little bit because we know what player he can be. Now, clearly the last 33 games, these last two years, he's only played eight of them. He only played, you know, one short of a, a half a season last year. So, unfortunately, that signing just didn't work that well for us. Um, do I think personally that uh, he's better, you know, than Tomlinson? Sure. Definitely. I do think player for player, he's better than Tomlinson. But it's not like Tomlinson's mediocre or kind of just a eh, whatever. You know, he's a very good, he's good at what he does. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's funny because when we signed uh, Tomlinson last year, we had this conversation. That was the big debate of well, what the hell they're going to do because you paid two starting Nose tackles, especially in a four and three, run stopping big dudes that are three twenty plus and Pierce's what's he three forty or three fifty? So it was kinda like they're they either want that depth or they're really gonna try this two big man, um, try to take up space, different feel to it. And so we both kind of thought, well, something's probably gonna give uh soon enough. I personally thought it would be this year. Of course, when I thought that, we were still on a 4-3. Um, but the emergence of Watts, who we could resign next year for decent money, it's not like he's just made crazy splash plays, but he's got a lot of playing time with Pierce out, and, it, and you could see he was pretty solid. So does it hurt? Yeah, but at least we had depth at that position. Yeah, I mean, we had that discussion, like you mentioned, and, I kind of thought what's better than one nose tackle, two nose tackles, because the year before we had zero. And uh, it kind of worked out that way uh, as the season went along. But I think they did have plans to, you know, put the two big guys in there and see what happened. But, you know, the fact that Pierce's last two years, what do you say? You said eight games or something like that? Or 
Yeah, that's the problem. You know, it's obviously a problem, particularly when you spent all the money. And now, of course, he opted out of the COVID year, so you can't really, uh, you know, hold that against him. That's we we are that way with players. You know, they got to take care of themselves. You can't just uh, say, "Well, you should have played it." Blah. You know, it's that's not how it works in, in life. So yeah, I mean, I kind of give him a mulligan on that year, but then being injured. But you can't deny he was a force when he was in. So it is a loss, and we don't know what we have really now at defensive tackle, which is the question. And maybe that's why we're kind of struggling to, like, you know, maybe bring back Sheldon so we kind of can see, you know, we have something there. And uh, But we brought in a, a couple of guys, and then there's the draft always. You know, this draft is always, like, this big panacea. Like, you think you can fix all your problems, and, you know, you can't. So – Free agency helps there, but I mean, what's left? Watts, and there's just some guys like Lynch that could possibly step up and play. But a lot of these guys were drafted for for four three, and not that that's a huge difference, but it's a small difference. And you have to like, so you need to have uh, big guys in the three four run stuffing guys in your defensive tackles and nose tackles, and some of these guys might be a little too slight to uh, be effective in a three four. Um, but we'll, you know. We'll see what happens in camp, but yeah, I mean, I think Pierce is a loss there because he is a three-four kind of built for it. Tomlinson as well, and uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Well, and that would be my pushback that I maybe think a little higher of Tomlinson than you did because uh, I look at him as a solid starter. Um, so I think it's he's not as good as Pierce. I mean that <laughs> that was obvious just watching you know some games of him. And also watching that damn that that Denver um, that Denver scrimmage, it was like, whew, yeah, this dude will go, you know, sideline to sideline at 340 plus pounds. But I, I do think Tomlinson proved to be and has proved in his career uh, to be solid. They didn't get a bunch of up the gut on him. A lot of it was edge stuff, as we know. Our both our best defensive ends were both out for most of the year, so. Thomas and Watts, and then we'll talk about the signings, you know, because Phillips is solid too. I like Tomlinson there. I just don't like it as much as Pierce. So I think it is a, a blow, but I don't know. It's better at least you have a starter that's played a lot rather than, like you said, just a bunch of, uh, you know, well, we'll see. We draft. Yeah, first. and they say, you know, the best ability is availability. and you know, <laughs> That's how it is. And, you know, you're not going to – you miss half a season and – with nagging injuries, uh, that's not – what's the other cliche? You can't make the team in the tub? I mean, that's, that's kind of <laughs> yeah, how it goes. Yeah. And you, you let it go, you know, old coach speak there. But, you know, it rings true. And I'm glad that you said about, you know, the 2020 season. Dude had severe asthma, and two years or something like that before COVID, he went to the hospital and lost a bunch of weight with pneumonia. So – you know, for the folks that want to say, oh, you should have done it, it's like, all right, dude, go be 340 or whatever he was, 350, and come back and tell me that you've lost a bunch of weight, you know, um, off of pneumonia and were hospitalized. Like, it, it's not that easy of a decision. I think they made the right decision, no doubt about it. I would never hold that back. I'm glad that you mentioned that again. Um, so as far as um, the signees, Obviously, Zadarius Smith, the the edge slash linebacker rush guy in the three four. I didn't see this one coming. Um, now Hunter 
was somewhat on the trading block. You never really know exactly when it comes to these um, trade rumors and all that. Um, the roster bonus kicked in, and we took a lot of that roster bonus um, and made it signing bonus for him. So we made Hunter happy if he does have a great year, right, and stay healthy so it can kind of go into an extension. It's kind of like a rerun of last year. We just hope he's healthy. But it also allowed him in the Cousins cut, allowed for this to happen. What do you think of the, the Zadarius? You said it earlier. It's uh, It definitely surprised me, too. And we have uh, bad memories of that fucking guy, too. Yeah, well, we do have bad memories, but, I mean, that's our offensive line also tied into that. And, uh, you know, I just surprised, that one, that it was such a big name. Second of all, the position surprised me. And then third, that it was a Packer. Uh, but I guess he was a Packer for a year, so it's not a big that big of a deal. But just to see, you know, the green and gold on him when he signs here is like, oh, okay. But, I mean, I love the signing. Uh, he wasn't very healthy last year either which is a little bit uh, concerning. But, you know, again, it's the off season. We have to assume that they're going to stay healthy. Him, Hunter, uh, a lot of these guys, the, the new uh, defensive tackle we got, they're all kind of coming off injury. And uh, you just have to, I guess, you know, assume that they're going to be healthy. Um, and you put him together, you know, as the other linebacker with Daniil on the outside, that's formidable. And then you – you know, get some pressure from the inside. I mean, best case scenario is is very good front seven. Uh, but then again, the injury bug can hit you. So I just, you know, I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed. I like the signing. I was surprised by it. But, I mean, I, I'm hoping for the best here. And the best could be pretty damn good. Yeah. And two things, well, a couple things here. I've heard about, and this is towards a good chunk of the media, and then just Vikings good old Vikings Twitter, right? Um, you know, the injury prone. But if we're going to say injury prone of late, we'd have to love him to death, right? We both uh, agreed that he's worth the risk to keep around Hunter. But he's more injury prone than Zedarius, uh, and, and the numbers speak to that. Um, you know, the previous few years, last year in 2018, the Baltimore played all 16 games. His first two years with Green Bay, he was there for three years, he played all 16 games. And so that tells you right there it's not injury prone. Now, I understand the, the seriousness of a bulging disc in the back. Um, if he was like a few years older, I would be even more nervous about it. But there's two things that really stand out. One, it happened earlier in the year, and he rehabbed for, like you said, four months or whatever and played in the playoffs. So sometimes when you have that long off season, Aaron, and there's that goddamn, you know, what's what's going to be the first? We're not going to see him in, in, in preseason, right, because they're going to be worried about him, kind of like Hunter. It was like, but you get to that first game, you're like, man, can he get over the hump? Can he, you know, so that that's out of there. He's already rehabbing now. Instead of it happening late in a season where he's got to spend four months of his offseason rehabbing and not being able to get stronger, faster, all that good stuff that you need in an offseason that are key for longevity and just playing up to your position, that helps a little bit ease my mind minorly. The other thing is the contract. So 
three years, 42 mil sounds like, all right, dude, we went out and did it. And, and we did, right? But it's literally a one-year contract as far as guaranteed money that's going to hurt us on the cap and then cap that could free up the two year, the year two and year three. Let's say he does get that, that bulging disc back midway through the year, and then you're like, fuck, dude, that's back-to-back seasons with a back injury? Especially with the, the the position, the guy's flying all over the place, all sorts of angles. That's scary, obviously. Um, so that's why I'm at ease because, all right, well, if it doesn't work out for a year and his freaking back pops up, or let's say he has a great year, and then the second year the back goes out, and knock on wood, we don't want that, but this is football, right? Well, then we, you know, the, the next year we have like $20 million cap to spend. All it would be doing is just cutting them. So it's a win-win, and, and I, I'm very happy with that. And even if what we basically – to have both on the field for, let's say, 15 out of the 17 games, man, that'd be ideal. Something that we didn't necessarily have, especially in 2020, um, because Hunter didn't even play it down, the fact that if we can just keep one of these dudes healthy, right – I mean, based off our defense the last two years, especially on the defensive line, if we could just keep one of them, we know one of them's a difference maker. But if two of them, that all of a sudden helps corners. That helps everybody to have those two dudes. Um, was it was it the was it twenty twenty nineteen at the end of the year where he had like three and a half sacks on us, man? And he got almost everyone. He got O'Neal. Of course, like you mentioned, you got Bradbury up the gut. I just like him because he is that striker rover, whatever, where you can just set him up all over the place. And it's not like, well, we think he'll be good for it. He's proven um, that he's been a top-tier pass rusher. And if you get both of them, that helps everything in your defense, as we know, Eric. Yeah, because who do you double? Who do you chip? Where do you go? You know you know, big package the whole day, or what are you going to do? I mean, if they're both hitting, I mean, it's going to be pretty crazy, especially if you get some something up the middle. I don't know, you know, like, it's going to be tough to deal with. And like you said, one of them's great, and maybe you can count on a season with at least one of them uh, throughout the season. But, you know, if you can have two for 15 out of 17 games, I mean, this is ridiculous. And it does help the corners. It does help the linebackers. It does help everybody. And, you know, I had for some reason thought he just signed with Green Bay last season, but obviously I was wrong because you brought that memory back about his three and a half sacks, what, 19 or whatever that was. Uh, but, yeah, he's one of the nightmare guys we talk about. And then, you know, our boy Akeem Hicks, which he was available for a brief amount of time, but we weren't able to sign him. But that, I would have been very available. excited. Is he really? Yeah, he's still available. I thought, oh, okay. I'm telling well, you, man, this COVID mistaken. year is great. It's like people are like, all right. Before we do anything, because he is 32 or whatever, you know. So, yeah. And we don't know what his agent's asking for or what's the in-between or the guaranteed money. But I think a lot of this stuff come May and June is going to start to hatch back up, you know. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I thought I saw him sign, I think, somewhere in the AFC. And I was going to say, I'm glad we're, he's the least out of the division. But I guess oh, he hasn't signed. <laughs> then, you know, <laughs> then I guess it's still a problem. The Lions are there and uh, – Packers, and, but it'd be nice to sign him if we had the money, man, and put him in the middle of those guys. It'd be ridiculous. Nonetheless, uh, Zedarius I liked a lot, and except I, I really didn't think we'd make a splash at that position in the offseason. I'm glad we did, 
but I, I thought it might be, you know, a different defensive position corner, uh, you know, maybe a, a high, like the biggest name I thought would be something else, but I'm kind of glad if this works out, cause like I said, um, you know, ups the, the best case scenario with those two, uh, pass rushers is, is, uh, I mean, it could be very, very dangerous. And, uh, so let's hope that that is the case. You know? Yeah. I mean, we talk about middle of the pack average, uh, defense. Well, it gets a lot less difficult to be a, a, a the 15th, 16th ranked defense if you have those two, because they just, they're just dominant at what they do. Um, and they, you know, we don't know exactly how Hunter's going to fit in the 3-4, obviously. I think he did play a, a good chunk of that at times uh, in LSU. They actually had something like us to where they played both. Uh, they have done that for, like, since the early 2000s. So they're base 4-3, but they do play a fair amount of 3-4. So, um, yeah, we'll see. And also, you know, looking at, you know, we're still trying to figure out what exactly – Three four this is because there's multiple three four styles obviously, and there's a great track record of this uh, on the surface anyway. It's not we don't have the guy, but we got the his second hand man. So we'll see how that goes. But also just not having to send you know extra blitzers. You know, you know getting pressure on the quarterback was something in sacks is something especially early on. But just in general, we got better at than the 2020. Um, and a lot of it had to do with, well, you know, Hunter did play some on there. Griff, uh, did play something, you know, we, we bar did come back. So it made a difference. Um, but yeah, if we can to not have to blitz only when you want to on third and long, and you can just find little spots to blitz rather than having to rely on, you know, a guy like Zimmer to be like, Hey, we're going to have to blitz almost every passing down. And, and that's where you see like a DJ want him. That's where you don't know if he's that good because a lot of his sacks came just wide open, just chasing him down, you know. So it's tough to say, uh, and that's probably why we still need some depth. These guys aren't, uh, well, what is he, 27 Hunter is. But, you know, is that a 30 or 31 body? I will, we'll find out this year. Um, and then well, two other you – know, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to dovetail. Uh, you know, I don't want to discount the depth that we've been building at, at the position too because we said, you know, if we have one or, or both of those guys. But I, I really like Wanham in the 3-4. I think he played it at South Carolina. And then uh, Patrick Jones, I know he played that at Pitt. And so, you know, I think there's depth there too. Now, of course, you want your two best guys there. But let's say you have one and not the other. Uh, I think you got enough guys in there. Uh, especially in Willicus as well, but I, I'm pretty sure Michigan State still plays the 4-3. But um, you have some guys that can play that position. So it's not like a, a desert like some other positions where you don't really have any depth behind. So I think, you know, like I said, best-case scenario, they're both healthy. But I think you can manage with just one. Of course, you want to go with the best-case scenario. Yeah, exactly. Um, and bringing back Pat P is just solid both in the locker room and the film study on the field. He had a really solid year. Is he a guy from a couple years ago? No, but, I mean, he didn't get thrown on, you know, barely at all. Um, So that was one of those signings that I'm really happy in in, in the fact that we do have a fair amount of young talent. Even Sullivan's not old who we brought in. I think that just happened. You know, that helps on and off the field, having Pat P back. 
Yeah, really happy about that. You and I were kind of talking, what's Pat B going to do every time we do a show? We're like, what's going on? And listen to his podcast or whatever. And I'm really glad he's back, not only just because we need a corner, but it's Pat P. I, like you said, a little different last year because we had Breland on the other side, so Pat P didn't get thrown on much. Uh, but I think he was better than I thought he was going to be. I was a little apprehensive going into last season. He's old. You know, what's he have left? Uh, but I thought he really became a defensive leader, not just mention holding down his position. And he didn't get a lot of picks, but you know, he, I thought he held up his end of the bargain pretty good there. And if you're going to have young corners coming into your locker room, which you're going to have, uh, I think it's great to have Pat P back to kind of lead the way for them and, you know, teach them the tricks of the trade that they're going to need to know. And, uh, so that's just, you know, besides on the field, still being able to play. Uh, I think that's going to be a huge uh, boost for Dantzler and whoever you draft, because I think there's going to be a couple guys in the draft coming in. Um, and I, you know, the nickel guy, we'll get to him, but I don't know a heck of a lot about him. And, but uh, I have vague memories of Mackenzie Alexander just getting roasted up the middle. So I, I think yeah. any improvement on that is going to be uh, welcome. Yeah, and it's funny we'll kind of break down a little bit of the defense because of, like you said, it, it, the way people have to judge this is the last two years of defense. You know, um, we're not going to call for a top five defense. You know, Zimmer's not here. It's a different system. Uh, we're just not where we were from 2015 to 2019. We know that. But, um, you know, the some of these, that's why I'm kind of talking about, well, you know, Bar hurts, but at least we have this. You know, it's 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 like, well, who's been on the field the last uh, two years? You know, the last thirty-three games. That's what we're. That's what we've seen on the field. Um, to kind of combo these, uh, 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 Harrison Phillips and Jordan Hicks. Now these are just like solid players that uh, can fill a role in our fits. These aren't splashy guys. These aren't big money guys. Obviously, Jordan Hicks. Is uh, I think he's like 31 or 32, so he's been around. He's got plenty of track record. Um, he's going to be the inside linebacker in the 3-4 next to Kendricks. And the last three years, and he's kind of a speedy, undersized guy. He's actually, I think, lighter than Kendricks. Um, you know, he's averaged 128 tackles over the last three years. He's a sure tackler. He's just solid. And, you know, once again, player – for player, Jordan Hicks and Barr, no. Although I don't think Barr would play interior, so we'd probably have to say the guy we had last year and then Wilson, you know, who those guys weren't as sure as tackler as Barr, and you could see it once Barr got in the game, um, you know, last year, and you could say, oh, see, that would have been a missed tackle. Um, I like the Hicks because he's just been there and done that, and once again, he fills a role because – He's, he's an interior guy that can run, you know. So I, I like the signing. He's solid. He's not flashy, but he's he's been productive. That's what we do know. I like it a lot, too, and it's particularly next to Kendricks. They seem like similar. I think Kendricks is a little better. Hopefully he's a little better. But I think Hicks is the same type of see ball, get ball, inside uh, middle linebacker that you're going to want one next to each other and two on the field. And it's, if you can get production from the outside guys, this is frees these guys up to just do what they do best is hunt the ball down and make tackles. That 
you know, I think Hendricks gets about a hundred and some odd tackles a year. This guy's got a hundred. You're going to not find a lot of room uh, on the inside or, you know, to the edges, but these two guys are both fast. They can both run and, and, and it's like, okay, well, great tacklers, uh, you know, just you know, fill their gaps and do what they're supposed to do. I, I like this. This is my probably one of my favorite signings. I think this made a lot of sense when I saw it. I was like, okay, that's good. I like that. Because I wondered, was it going to be Vigil? Uh, who's going right. to be the other middle linebacker? And I think they answered that question pretty quickly. And I'm glad that's who it was, Vigil. For some reason, I was always missing his name last year. He did start every game the last three years. Hicks did. And they had um, Isaiah Simmons, who, as we know, came into the draft highly rated. And so he was just a, a, a cap casualty. And I can understand why they did that because, you know, you have a guy that's probably going to turn into physically maybe even better than this guy. Um, I think they have this Collins guy, too. So I get that part. Um, but, yeah, I like it, too. I definitely like it. Now, the other guy, Harris Harrison Phillips. This dude's like a from Buffalo run stopper, stopper I should say. He does have uh, experience playing uh, – I guess you could say all three of the interior, uh, you know, three, four in, interior uh, line play. He's, got, he's a guy that just kind of played a variety of roles for Buffalo, and they just – it's one of those guys that developed, and they just couldn't quite keep him. Um, and, you know, they obviously added some defensive guys who they felt, well, we're going to do this on the edge and spend money there, which I get. I rem- the only reason why – well, you know, the Bills the last two years have gotten a lot of uh, primetime games. So I'm familiar with him as a run stuffer. Also, a chunk of years ago, because he's been in the league a little bit now, he played for Stanford when they were, like, in a lot of primetime big games. And that horrible hairy thing is the reason why I know him. I mean, he made plays at Stanford. Usually you do in college. Uh, but that's really just the nickname – and watching him at Stafford for two years and then seeing him the last few years at Buffalo, it's just a name I'm, I, I recognize. I looked into it a little bit deeper. He is a run stuffer, but I think it's just a role player. And once again, you lose Pierce. Tomlinson's not as good as Pierce, but at least they added depth to go a, along with Watts. And that's kind of why I like it. It's kind of a guy on the up and up who can play all three positions on that line. Once again, maybe not splashy, maybe not flashy, but uh, I, at least I know him a little bit. It's tough when you, you don't follow a team. You're not watching, you know, their games a ton. It's tough to know with these type of guys, but I think he's just going to be a good role player. Yeah, I mean, I, I've scoured the All-24 for the last uh, 30 days since we signed him. No, I, I don't know much about him either. I don't remember him being at Stanford. Uh, I'm glad that that's that you actually told me where he's from because I don't know. I didn't know. But like you said, lunch pail guy, I guess you could say, quote, unquote, and hopefully comes in and does what he's asked to do. Uh, I don't think we think he's going to be a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, like you said, a developing player can have more of those uh, every time. And so uh, I guess when I was talking about the defensive tech, Chris, the Julian Taylor guy, I – that was the guy I was like, oh, I don't know much about him okay, either. Okay, yeah, that's a depth guy. Yeah, you're right. That just uh, seems like a depth guy. Maybe he'll make the team. <laughs> you know, yeah, because I think he's coming off injury as well. So, I but yeah, the, okay, 
the Harrison Phelps, I almost forget that one. Like, I don't know much about him, but I mean, I guess he had decent numbers in Buffalo, and uh, maybe you don't need the splashy guy if, if you get some guy like that can come in and uh, and just do what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're right. I think that you know it's it's one of those former. Well, one of the coaches coached them. They liked that they could maybe develop. They always like to have development guys on the squad, right? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I did like him come out of the draft. And we, he's a he's a locker room guy, and you know, so that that you're right. That kind of sounds like that. Now watch he starts, but no, I, I don't think so. I think that he'll be trying to buy for the team, um, and I wouldn't uh, count him in to your point, um, like a Sheldon or or a, a high level guy. We could potentially get in the draft. I wouldn't count him in on, well, that's our fourth guy. We got our fourth guy already. We don't need anything else. You know, I definitely wouldn't. That, uh, that makes more sense now what you're saying. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, that, that is, that was kind of like, who's that guy? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they got so many damn good players on the line at the Niners. I'm like, yeah, I haven't seen this guy, so he must not be good because he, you get a, they, they kind of dominate you in a variety of ways on that line. You kind of know all the fucking guys, and I've never seen him play a down um, that I can remember anyway. Um, oh, yeah, and then that second-tier guy, you know, there's the backup center, and uh, like we mentioned, that blocking tight end who could play a role or whatever. Um, we brought back that McGill, that Ty McGill or whatever. That's another guy that you're like, yeah, maybe depth, maybe he'll be on the roster. He might be on the, the practice squad, maybe. You know, but who knows about that type of stuff? That the the uh, that Harrison guy. Mm-hmm. One thing I like about him as a corner is at least he played a couple years and, you know, he's with Denver, so our guy knows him. But at least it's like him or Chris Boyd, you know, he's played more than Chris Boyd. Now, Boyd has actually shown bad things on the field, but he's also shown we've seen him have some good games, right? So it kind of it kind of feels like that type of guy where who knows, in a year or two, Maybe he'll play a role player. Maybe he makes the 53 roster. I'm assuming he will, but who knows, you know. Um, so we do have, our, you know, other signings there. We'll talk about the offensive line. Let's stay defense. Shannon Sullivan um, is a guy that early in his career, digging into his uh, games played and where he played them, he was kind of both in and out the first two years, I think. The last two years, and especially I think he started 20 straight games, um, He's been in the slot. So, like you said, Breland, as we know, you know, the, the feaster famine, and this fucking guy was outside, too. He wasn't playing the slot. So, at least we got a role player that's already played this for two years. Now, given he played on one of the best, a top five defense in the league. So, you can look better in that spot. Who knows with that, right? But He's, I think they graded him out, not just PFF, but in, you know, I like to look at a variety of stuff and guys, you know, other experts that break down tape all the time, not just PFF. Um, and he basically ranked in the middle, right dead smack in the middle at a nickel in the slot. So it's like, okay, you know, maybe if one of the corners that we pick in the draft push him to where they overtake him, but at least we know a guy that's, that's played in a fair amount of games and started the last 20. League average, baby. That's what we're asking for here. Let's give us league average. Serviceable, baby. Serviceable. That's Come on. Stay above the, the mean, <laughs> and we're all right. Yeah. I, 
you know, we need a nickel corner. Hopefully they draft yes. one. Uh, Probably two. Right? Hopefully maybe push this guy into a depth position. That's, I guess, the best uh, the best hope we can ask for. But if he has to play, I mean, you said he's solid. He played in 20 games. He's, you know, apparently able to hold the position down. But we need depth at corner, and it's just glaring at this point. Yeah, like you said, the two guys we brought in seem to be depth guys. And, you know, there are some spots, like you got Pat P and you got Cam, who will – Maybe officially out of the doghouse at this point. Well, he's out now. now. He's out now. <laughs> he's, he's out, out now. They fed him and everything, dude. He, so, got I mean, up. he got a nice haircut. He's ready to you, go, dude. You might have a couple starters there. We'll see what they do in the draft. But, I mean, that's the big glaring, uh, the need right now. So, hopefully the Sullivan guy, if pushed to start, can be uh, better than McKenzie and, and keep his league average uh uh, reputation up, but, um, yeah, we probably want to look to upgrade there, even from, from Sullivan. So, uh, I'm hoping the best for this guy, but let's hope we can get someone to beat him out. Yeah, or at least in the coming years, you know, like at least something. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, we gotta get, you know, how they always have these little ringers and voice things that pop in. We gotta have serviceable or something like that. We gotta have some sort of punch, punch in there. Um, and perfect. Perfect transfer here. Speaking of serviceable. Um, man, oh, man. At right guard, especially, but both guards, you know, Cleveland was, you know, borderline serviceable. Hopefully in his third year he can be serviceable. But you did see a difference in, you know, Dakota Dozier. That's for fucking sure. Um, but serviceable is something we've been wanting since 2018 documented it. We're not going to go over all the goddamn names that we went down who played both guard positions. Since. It is a long list of oh names. Oh, my God. It's in, I mean, of late, obviously, we know the Dozers, the Isadoras, the Samias. Uh, I think they played – no, I think Hill played only tackle, right? Yeah. I'm surprised at that. <laughs> but, uh, but, <laughs> but he uh, – the, those names I just mentioned are not on the roster, and they've been told literally to their agent, he's not coming back. Like, go and look someplace else because you're not you're not making the practice squad here. Um, so as far as uh, there's two guys, two veteran guys that we um, that we signed. Jesse Davis is a guy who in the last five years has started 72 games. Clearly. He's a lot better at guard, especially right guard. The two seasons that he has the best quote-unquote grades that are serviceable. Um, I guess he's better at pass blocking than run blocking, but, hey, fuck, you know, that. okay, that's fine Perfect. with me. Uh, yeah, he is a big motherfucker. Both these guys are big dudes in that old saying. They play guard a lot. Um, but we, what we do know from the Miami fan base is the guy can't play right tackle because I did see some clips of him at right tackle, and that obviously brought his PFF down too in the last 72 games. Um, they just they knew he's played the position, so they're like, hey man, go on out there. We need you because we're getting fucked here. We got a bunch of injuries, and uh, he looked horrible at right tackle. So at right guard, if you look at what we've had there, beyond Klein is really the only serviceable guy we had for like nine games in 2019. And you can see a minor difference there, too. Look at our offense, actually, a little bit more efficient uh, that year. Um, 
So he's big and serviceable compared to what we've had. Now, this other guy, Chris Reed, he has played center and guard. And his, you know, his grade out has been actually pretty solid. Right there, that that average, uh, not horrible, not a turnstile, not, you know, uh, where you look in the other swing way, <laughs> swing exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, but a guy who actually has a little roughhouse to him. And by the way, you need a guy that will smack you around in the offensive line. That's something we've been missing. Um, so he's played center and guard. He's graded out pretty good, pretty decent. And we, like you said, just to get serviceable would help. Also, they're not tied to Bradbury. They didn't draft him in the first round. They didn't. Ex- they said some nice words about, hey, he gets the calls right, you know, in a presser. We know he can run block, but we also know what he can't do. And just that little Mason Cole dip in after old boy got COVID, uh, Bradbury, it was like, huh, this guy looks serviceable. And sure enough, uh, I don't know if I'd pay him the amount he got paid, but he did get a three-year deal. So it was serviceable enough uh, to get signed. So my point is, if Bradbury is being well, Bradbury on passing especially, maybe, just maybe we bring in a veteran at center and then have Jesse Davis at, you know, right guard. And it's like, whoa, what's the two serviceable guys? And then Cleveland? Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. This is wishful thinking, of course, but I'm just glad. This is a long story here. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I'm just happy we're not on the status quo of we're going to let Davis push Udo because we drafted Davis. And, yes, ultimately, would you like Davis because of his pedigree? Like, had he not gotten hurt and just went out as a junior? For sure, second rounder, possibly first rounder. We know that on paper. Um, they say he's having a good offseason. He's healthy. We'll see. We'll see. But it's a lot better, Aaron, than just, you know, hey, Udo's our guy, but let's hope Davis, uh, you know, beats him out. Well, I mean, first and foremost, they're guards, Chris. They're guards. Right. They're not tackles, converted yeah. tackles. <laughs> they're not, what? Are, oh, shit, what are we going to do? It's... It's not Oli Udo, who was a tackle and is now a guard out of necessity, and Cleveland, who was a tackle and now a guard out of necessity. These guys are guards. Smart move by the new management to get a couple of guards. Now, as far as Davis goes, suit up and beat one of these guys out. That's what you got to do now, and yes. then maybe you get a starting spot, You know, not to mention whatever might come in the draft. But, you know, I, do I think these guys are going to, you know, shock the world? And bring, We're not asking for that. Again, we're asking for league average and, you know, maybe a step above that. But don't, you know, we'll take leave at league average at this point. And I'm sure Kirk will, too, when made me laugh the other day. You're talking about five-step drops and fucking foot's getting stepped on. It's like, what? Now, Bradbury's situation is a whole different can of worms here because he's not really built to put on more weight. Uh, the running attack is going to be different. Uh, it's not going to be the zone blocking anymore so much, I don't think. Or at least a different uh, version of it. So the fit for him, even what, what he does best, seems to be out of place at this juncture. Now, they're not going to just cut bait on him. They're going to give him a chance to 
do something in camp, I suppose. And, you know, maybe he found the, the magic bullet and he's able to come in and, and beat out whatever competition they put in front of him. But, you know, the last few years have not, uh, looked well for him. So, you know, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he knows all the calls. I'm, I'm sure all this stuff, but you know, getting yeah. pushed I back and pushed now. back. <laughs> you know, can you you're down and stop a bull? Right. Can you stop a bull rush? Because that's what was happening to you mm. constantly, again and again and again. So they've got to do something at center, Chris. Whether they move the guy that they, I would like to see them keep him at guard. That's what I would like to see. Have two guards, all right? And then we'll worry sure. about center in the draft or, or later for you. Maybe you have someone on your roster right now. We don't know, but. Get a center now. That's the key. Now, do I want him the first round? Different show. No, I don't. But we do need one. Uh, even if it is depth, if you think Bradbury can, can handle it, which if you do, I'm going to be very uh, shocked at your decision making. You're going to have a lot to prove at that point. But yeah, two serviceable guards, I think was the goal. And I, I don't want to say they've accomplished it, but they took a swing at it. And I'd like to see that. Uh, and we'll see what the draft brings. You know, someone tweeted, I think it's Joe Spinoza. He said, a really good follow. Uh, real Joe Spinoza is his handle. He said, Kwesi is treating the interior alignment position the same way analytically driven baseball teams construct a bullpen. I know the Vikings fans are scared from years of terrible line play, but the strategy leaves them with multiple options and flexibility to go with the best guy. And that really hit home because, like you said, okay, one of these guys, okay, hey, we found serviceable. Okay, one gets hurt. Okay, now what? Okay, well, we got Davis, who's serviceable. He's better than Udo. He's better than, you know, on paper anyway than Davis. He's started a lot more games and had more success, except at right tackle. Um, so, you know, it's it's at least they addressed it. You know, it's tough to go out and just spend a grip of money on a guard. It, it really is. Um, you have to have a lot of free agency money to do it because, you know, if you, but usually you have a solid center, so your guards just have to be serviceable, right? We're cool at tackle. We're fine at tackle. We're good to go. But yeah, this interior, which since 2018, after we lost those two bodies, has been, uh, the interior off the line has been the lowest graded PFF, uh, of all time now, the PFS only been here like eight years, but that's not good. That is not good. That's what I do well, the know. The surprising thing about that, Chris, is it's every year for like four every. years, and nope. it never got fixed. Never. Now, you sign a couple of guards, and let's say they're quote unquote serviceable. That opens up a bunch of stuff. You take Cleveland, you move him back to a tackle, right? He'll probably be back up for O'Neill. And then you take right. Udo, you figure out if he's any good at tackle. If he is, then you got your swing tackle there. So it's oh. like. You can move the guys back to where they are, and they'll be, you know, uh, helpful to your squad. Are they going to start? Probably not, except for in a pinch. But that's what you're looking for here. Now, Cleveland has been playing guard for two years, so it might have to retrain to go back to tackle again. But, I mean, just the way this was constructed, and, you know, I just don't know what the logic there was. Is And, I, you know, that's the first question I would ask Spielman if I got to sit down and talk to him. Like, what, just exactly what was the plan? Exactly, and that kind of goes on. He's been there so long, and he's done a very good job. Not an excellent job, but very good. We both kind of come to that conclusion. Hey, he's solid. He is solid. He's done plenty of good stuff, but it does feel like that. Well, I drafted these guys. 
I had something to do with, you know, moving them or whatever, you know, like I, I, this Davis guy, he's going to do it, man. We're, we're going to get a solid guard here finally, you know, and, and like I said, just that Klein dude, you know, that's it. That's the only guy in four fucking years that they signed. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, and actually here's another stat that kind of, th- <laughs> that sums it up. Um, and I think it's, yeah, same guy, 46.7 of the pressures allowed were attributed to the Viking center and right guard, the highest amount in the NFL by far. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an old story. And this whole Udo thing, you know he only allowed one sack here. You know he only allowed one sack. Okay, <laughs> cool. And we saw flashes. He's a big fucking guy. He can block a, a run block at times. And he had some decent games. I'm not going to take it away. And fuck, the guy was a damn tackle, like you said. I mean, he's doing the best he can. But when you have 16 penalties, the most out of off, any offensive line, and I think 12 of them were holding, holding is sacks. I mean, I don't know what, how much more to say it. Like, does it mean that it's going to be a result in a sack every single time? No, it doesn't. Kirk could dump it off or whatever. Maybe, you know, Cook picks it up or whatever, right? But come on, dude. You can't have 12 holding calls. Those are 15 yards. That's more than a sack on average, mm-hmm. you know? No. And I get it. Sometimes you got to do it because it's third down. We're ahead in the game. Do we want to fumble? No, we don't. Or do we want to get our quarterback extra crunch sometimes? I get it. I'm not saying never hold, but. This whole he didn't do it, he didn't give up, he gave up one sack. I just, it's like, guys, are you fucking serious? Like, yeah, he gave up one sack. But, in fact, uh, Xavier Woods, Breland, and Udo, all three were in the top 25 leaders in penalties yeah. uh, in the league. So that's not good either, I would have to say. See, let's, not forget like the, uh, let's not forget the opening drive of the season, which was, thank you. Uh, what was the... I forgot the sequence of events there, but it was shocking, man. And it probably cost us that game in Cincinnati. Was it uh, four or five? It was starts. holdings and false starts. It was. And it was just and it horrible. was second and 35 or whatever. Okay, so <laughs> hold on here, Chris. I think you and I have we're burying the lead here. There's a huge thing that we've overlooked and, and uh, overlooked, and I, I just don't know if I can hold my tongue any longer. But yes. Did, we yes. brought back Sean Mannion. <laughs> I like how you did that. So all is well. <laughs> I was worried about it all off season, and we he was a hot We managed to fight off all the competition, and he chose us. Mannion chose us. What the hell, Chris? I mean, uh, is him and the head uh, him coach? And the head coach had him. Like, the head coach, I think the head coach had him in the Rams or something. I, I think just that's can't what it is. believe this guy still makes a, a living. I, he he fills must up be the Gatorade too. Wonder the Gatorade guy in the too. film room. He must he just be super Gatorade genius. Killer. I mean, I don't understand it, man. He can't play. We've seen that. Okay, he can. Yeah, he can play a yeah, series. I'll give him a series. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a uh, half. I'll go as far as a half. Cousins yeah. has a cramp. Okay, finish the half. <laughs> that's but, uh, it. I just can't and give it to Cook. <laughs> that's, no. that's it. No, I just can't believe. I mean, it's just shocking. That was a shocking more than Sedarius, and that, that was just, a splash. Dude. Yeah, that was a splash for the wrong reason. And I just, I guess him and Kirk are, you know, tight or something. But I just, 
I don't understand why you would take a roster. Say the coach uh, had him. That's. I think this is when he was uh, uh, just a QB coach. I don't know. I don't know. But I hear you. I mean, you know, he's on the team. But let's hope. You know, come September, he's gonna be on the team. We were so happy to have a Mannionless year last year, and then right at the end of training camp, guess who comes walking in? Yeah, he snuck on that practice squad, dude. (laughs) He snuck on that practice squad, man. You just never know. Um, But but anyway, I loved how you did that, by the way. But let's talk, uh, because this is what I thought you were going to say. You got me. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Kirk Cousins, one-year extension. Now, um, before I go into the Capel rant 2.0, before I do that, um, you were in favor of of, – uh, trading him. I remember, I think you said a second rounder. You were good. Mm-hmm. But you also talked about, well, obviously that's not going to happen, right? right. Um, at least not this year, for sure. Mm-hmm. Probably not in two years, uh, the next two years. Um, but another thing that you mentioned is that cap hit, that 45, that, that needs to change. Mm-hmm. And that was clear, no doubt, no doubt. We couldn't have him at 45 mil. That would just be ridiculous. Now, as we you know, now that we're here, um, like I said, the media got a good two years out of this, but um, it, it's thirty. It's it's a, it's under thirty-two million. It's like thirty-one point six or whatever. Um, so not that is no longer the case, and the extension is thirty-five million a year. That's what he's averaging in both these years, um, and that it's not forty, forty-five, or fifty which we're seeing now um, on quarterbacks that are better than him. Maybe one of them isn't, um, but that's about it. Um, so 40, 45, and 50 is the going rate. He's at 35. So where are you where are you at now with obviously next year is more of a quarterback-driven drive or a draft. Uh, you know, we obviously didn't make a move last year. We, we, we were – you know, in the finals for it, but we just didn't give as much Chicago, you know, as Chicago did. Where are you at now, knowing next year that there is a a, a much better draft year? I think it, I think they picked the best possible option uh, beyond trading him. I think that would have been the the number one thing they would have liked to do, or at least I would have liked to do. But you know, that was going to be difficult to get value for him. I mean, you could have moved him for peanuts, but you're not gonna want to do that so I mean so the extension to me I think the money you know it is what it is at least it's a less of a cap hit this year and, and probably less of a cap hit next year but I think essentially what you do okay so you couldn't trade him we need some sort of bridge quarterback he's the perfect guy for that he's already here he knows everybody I mean, he's just I'm not calling him a bridge quarterback but I am sort of, sort of calling him a bridge quarterback to what's next and uh he's you know the thing about it is the Kirk lovers you know, they'll die on the hill for him and they have valid points. And then the Kirk haters also have valid points. So it's like you go on back and forth here. And I guess that's giving a lot of people a lot of uh, airtime and money and so on that. But uh listen, for the case scenario that the Vikings are in at the moment with no viable other option and a draft that's apparently not heavy at the quarterback position, you need to look toward next year for that. I think they made the best decision here about 
you know, keeping the quarterback that we have now and maybe possibly taking a look at the draft next year, free agency next year, or probably more likely the draft though. And you've got cousins for the next two. So the worst case scenario is cousins for the next two, which isn't horrible. And so I, I think that, uh, probably put a lot of time and due diligence into that decision. I really think they did make the right one. Uh, I think anything else besides a trade would be rather foolish. Yeah. And really the guy who stands out is Winston for a bridge quarterback. Uh, he signed a two year deal that averages about 14 million a year. Um, the cap hit this year is friendly. It's only four mil. The next year it's 15.6, and then there is some uh, like eight, 8.4 of dead money um, in 2024. Um, so that's that's you know uh, Marcus uh, what's his toes Marcus uh, uh, what the hell's his name uh, for Oregon played for Oregon Tennessee Mar- Marotta or whatever. Oh Mariota Mariota Marotta just fought last weekend against me. <laughs> um, it's funny how the sports get mixed. He's a little bit less uh, per year. Um, same thing. First first uh, year, cap's low, then it kind of pops up. Uh, but those are your bridge quarterbacks. So, you know, you'd still have to pay 15 mil next year on the cap, too, not just Ziggy money. And then you'd get your quarterback. So, you know, could we have went out and got a higher-level guard, uh, like who's 30 or whatever? Sure. You know, there is some of that. Um, but as far as this – this goes here here's a couple of things that kind of crack me up um first of all the 45 million never fucking existed okay two fucking years of this shit i wish people and my co-host does this he explains why he doesn't uh love him okay he doesn't hate him but he doesn't love him he he explains it he makes his points and then he moves on and we we both talked about the 45 and how that can't be, but we didn't just sit there and oh this is the, the, you know that's it right. And but that's not what the media does. Now the the Vikings fans on Twitter they're fucking fans they can do whatever the hell they want. Um, but clearly they're influenced too to where the level of and I don't give a shit about disrespect to players you know. It's about well I do care matters what kind of disrespect obviously ignorance and racism. Different, but people could say a bunch of shit about players. I mean, there was you know media members that wanted to cut five fucking guys this year, you know, and it's like, thank God you're not running the team. What are you even talking about? But there was no cap hell. Last year wasn't cap hell. This year is not cap hell. Okay, period. It's just not that. If it was such a bad storm, it's kind of like you know how Barrera will say, you know, the weather terrorist. It's going to be the worst storm ever, right? It's like a weatherman saying that, but it actually just accumulated into a couple inches of precipitation. I mean, yes, we couldn't, we didn't have $40 million or $30 million or 25, whatever it was going to be to sign some of, you know, like a better guard. That's fair. Um, but this whole thing of just, just say you don't like him, list the reasons and move on. This whole thing of he, he, it's cap hell. We are in cap hell. Well, how do you sign quality players and really, on average, don't lose a bunch of them? I mean, yeah, we already talked about how we lost Barr, but we got an outside linebacker 
slash edge rusher, who's a stud, who both those guys have injuries, bar in him, so we don't know, you know, in that contract's money. And we also got an interior lineman uh, who's decent and an interior linebacker, I should say, too. We're just going off that. So we didn't cap hell is when you got to cut literally three or four. Jesus Christ, we got to get rid of them. Did Pierce hurt? Sure. Sure, it did. I'll admit that. But that's the only guy we cut. That's it. So you cut someone every year, basically. You know what I mean? I mean, what's this tell is the, the left tackle. Uh, Riley was solid. We had to cut him, you know, so it's this whole cap hell was, was crazy. And now Aaron, there's a new narrative. Kick the can down the street. Now what's, what kind of street is this? Is this a four lane freeway or is this like a gravel farm road? You know, cause that, that does play into it. And once again, now it's kick the can down the street. It, they make it sound like it's Atlanta who is going to pay $40 million of dead cap just to get rid of their former stud, probably get to the Hall of Fame, <laughs> Ryan. $40 million in one year they're going to have to take a hit this year. If you look at, even with these new signings, plenty of salary in years 2020, not, you know, 24 and 25. It's wide open. I mean, over $100 million of signings. So uh, of available cap, and then probably 150 the year after. Now next year we're we're right around 17 or something like that. We're not gonna make a huge splash next year, but cap hell is where you are in hell, and you know you have these way overpriced uh, contracts like you did with New Orleans per se, and they've kicked the can down really down the road. Now if Cousins wasn't producing, then you could say yeah this is this is we shouldn't kick anything down the road, but we're not. That's their new narrative. Just just keeping that out there. And also, one more thing: the media kept saying cap hell, but then two weeks in, why aren't we signing that person? Why aren't we? Well, hold on. Which one is it? Is it cap hell, or why aren't we signing all these people? How the fuck can you sign all these free agents that you're talking about on Twitter? If you're in cap hell, it just doesn't, it doesn't line up. It just doesn't line up. So I had to get that off. That's 2.0. I hope I don't have to make a 3.0 with the kick the can down the road. Um, sorry, no, I had to get that out. That's fine. That's great, Rep. But here, the cap is real. All right. So no saying it's not. Okay. It's a real thing. There is a ceiling to it. But cap hell is not if you are somehow fiscally responsible and we have one of the best cap guys around and Rob Brzezinski, then there is no such thing as cap hell. All right. Because these contracts are renegotiable. They're not written in stone. They can be moved. Things can happen. And just because you need to restructure somebody's con contract and then give them a little something down the road is not necessarily kicking the can down the road because you can probably go to them again, when you're due and ask them to kick it a little bit farther. So it's in less and less and less every right time. Down. And so it's just going to fade away basically. Uh, now cousins contracts, a different story. We're not going to get into that. At least we got some cap relief for it this year. And I'm not going to complain about that. He could have stuck us with the 45 and, and, you know, we would have had to deal with that, but you know, he managed to move on that. We got the extension that helps us in sign guys like Smith and so on. So, 
every year I think people freak out because they think these contracts are written in stone. So when we get to January or February or in early March, everybody thinks, well, this is this and this is that. And they, they don't know about the moving pieces that are going on around to, to, uh, ease the, uh, the, the cap numbers. So it's like, okay. Yeah. Would we like to have more, like you mentioned, to go get a guard or, or to do some other things? Absolutely. It would. But here's the deal. man. You, if you want a competent starting quarterback in this league, they're expensive, okay? Yeah. You're going to have to pay money, and it's going to be big money, and it keeps going up every year. And so <laughs> yeah. you don't – And it's guaranteed. Watson you can't, got all his 230 guaranteed. I mean, do you want to be the franchise that Cleveland, for example, uh, what's another franchise, the Jets, who continually are drafting these young guys looking for that five-year – uh, window where they don't have to pay a quarterback and they end up with guys now occasionally get lucky, but the Browns have moved on from Mayfield. So it, you know, it's not all it's cracked up to be. You need to like take a look, maybe a, a 10,000 foot look down and say, okay, yes, there is cap problems. There are, you know, cap issues, but New Orleans is in cap hell. Okay, so I guess Capel does exist, but as long as Rob Brzezinski walks the halls, uh, I don't think we're going to get into cap hell. Uh, and I think, you know, we ease out of this Cousins thing. Uh, not, you know, cause there's always a possibility he lights the world on fire in the next two years and we're begging to re-sign it. So, you know, we got to open to all possibilities. It's structured too. that way, you know? Yeah. It's structured to where we can re-sign him in a year or two, too. Now, is that probable? I don't know. But I think we're all thinking that we're going to get this rookie in at some point in the next two seasons. And, you know, he's going to give us that magical five-year window, which, you know, would be nice. But to count on that and lay your, you know, put all your eggs in that basket is just, it's not something I'd want to risk. So I I think that, you know, stop freaking out in March and freak out maybe if you see a problem in, in, you know, April or, or, uh, or in February, whatever, you know, just don't, it's just always the same thing every year, Chris. And it's just, your rant is about right. It's like, okay, when there's cap hell, you'll know it. Yeah. And just don't like them that much. Cool. Yeah. I, I don't care what these people think of Kirk Cousins. That's fine. Um, but just say it, just say it. Don't add this extra shit that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? So technically, because every year is a new year, the 45 million didn't exist. It, it literally didn't exist. We didn't have to pay it last year because we're not there yet, you know. So it literally didn't exist. And let's not forget, we've been there, done that on the good ass offensive line that we we put in a lot of money for. That usually plays into one wide receiver that's good, and then let's see what else. And then the quarterback. Well, we've you know beyond Dante and and Far for one year, second year one, you know, sideways. We haven't had did, – did Teddy look the part? Yeah. Did Bradford look the part? Yeah. Knee, his knee fell off. Um, we've already done that. Let, let's keep trying this until, like you said, we can turn it into that. We can turn it – we can flip this scenario, and maybe that's when we'll finally go to the Super Bowl with that young quarterback a la Mahomes. Um, yeah, and but, also, you know, let's go back and rewind everybody's takes – when it came time to sign Kirk to that extension in the beginning, you know, not this recent one, but the one before, like, you know, yeah. let's see what your take was then about, and maybe we can say, 
you know, if they said two years down the line, well, we're going to be in cap hell, then maybe I'll, I'll listen to your take. But if you were on the, you know, side, most people were like, well, what's, what are the alternatives at that point? And Kirk was the best option. And so everybody was pretty cool with his extension, knowing the particulars of it. And all of a sudden, you know, asking him to, pay penance for his contract is not necessarily a, a very logical thing. You'd think it's coming out of the social security checks, dude. I mean, that's what it feels like. It's coming out of my, so my future social security is getting garnished because of Kirk Cousins fucking contract. I mean, that's what it sounds like, dude. Um, but anyway, and I, and I was in favor of doing a, a three or four year deal because this shit wouldn't be as new money as now new money is, you know? It'd, he'd probably be like the 14th or 15th paid as the coming years, you know, this year, next year, the year after. You know, that that would have been the smarter thing to do. Um, and let's not act like, you know, we just went over that goddamn interior. And last year, just kind of summing up this stuff. We're not going to – we don't do predictions for records until, you know, that first show of the year after we've seen the draft and, you know, what happens in camp and, you know, who's on the roster and all that shit. But – the whole run it back instead, you know, the alternative was, you know, trade four or eight, some people would say, of your best players. That's just not how football works. But if I hadn't seen this team go head-to-head with every game beyond that Packer game where we didn't have Cousins, we had two wins, one by ten and one by, like, with double digits. But – was it 15 games or something like that? Four, 14 games came down to a touchdown or more. We went head to head, by the way, on the road with Cincinnati. We went head to head with the Rams. If we did, if we didn't see this core in some young players in along with Cook and Cousins and Jefferson and all these fucking guys we got, if I didn't see that and we only won four or five games, I'd have a different, okay, yeah, maybe we should move on this player. Hey, this is a good play. I would never, you know, take six or eight guys and get rid of them all. Um, but remember, uh, we had a lead in 2021. KC had the most leads out of 16 games. They had a lead in it uh, at any point. We had 15 games like that. So, and remember that whole, you know, narrative of a lot of the production, the stats, quote unquote. Um, you know, the stats of Cousins was, well, it's garbage time. He didn't play in a game where there was garbage time last year, and he produced. So let's, I'm not calling him a Hall of Famer. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But let's be honest about it a little bit to the media members who just will drag him through. And here's another stat since we, we go off the QB win stat. Uh, this is Paul Charchi, and here's something for the wins are everything QB stat. And there is something to that, but let's ask Stafford how that worked. Uh, and then he went on a, a better team than ours, obviously. But the NFL, since 2018, since Kirk's been here, the average points allowed is 22.3. And obviously, we haven't had that the last two years. But Kirk Cousins, as a Viking, when the defensive allows – 22.3 on average, we're 21 and four. Okay. So, and I'm just, I just want to, I want to go on this note. This is off our defense. Last, the last two years, the defense struggled, right? 
Pierce, who we thought two years ago was going to be a difference. He played eight games in 33 years. Hunter, seven games in 33 games. It's not years. He'd be old at that point. Hunter, seven games in 33, uh, 33 games in the last two years. And Barr did manage to get 11 in last year, but remember he missed most of the, the, the previous year, 13 of 33. So when we talk about let's get the that that top 15 defense, just remember last year how close we were to being a mediocre right down the line. This was a stat that blew me away. This is Sharp football, uh, Warren Sharp. The Vikings allowed touchdowns on 32.4 of opponent drives in the final four minutes of halftime or at the end of the game. That's the worst in the NFL. We saw the, the points, not just touchdowns, but we set the points record uh, since the merger. The NFL average is 12%. We did 32.4. The number 31 team is 20.6 to our 32.4. Now, here's what it gets fucking scary, but also hope for next year, okay? So we were able to go toe-to-toe with all these teams, and this guy stopped at 2,000. He just got sick of looking, I guess. But they've that is the worst ranking in that particular stat, which is very key to a defense, as we found out. They played pretty good until that time, the last four minutes of the halves. They ranked 686 out of 686 teams since 2000 in that stat. It, it's only up from there. Uh, yeah. Um, those are pretty incredible stats. I, that's a fucking nut stat. I, I knew it was bad. But holy shit, that's yeah. I, I don't even almost speechless at it. But I guess you know. Look, there's always gonna as long as Kirk Cousins is a quarterback, of this squad there's gonna be that debate, and you know whether it's warranted or not seems to not fucking matter at this point in time. And you can <laughs> sure. you can everybody's kind of drew their line in the sand and stats and this and stats and that. I've been clear on my problems with him and also the things that, that I, I like about him. And it just don't want to, you know, at some point, I think people have just got to come to the conclusion that you're, you're going to feel a certain way about it. He's a polarizing quarterback. And like I said, there's a lot of narratives floating around and about what, but you know, his money, look, you're going to have to pay a starting quarterback if he's, and no one argues that he's top 15. We'll start to argue when he gets to 10. And, you know, it's like, all right, well, so you've got above average starting NFL quarterback. Um, is there, are there worse things? Yeah. Are there better things? Yeah. But, you know, my biggest, you know, concern with it all is just, you know, I, you know, the 500 record has always been some for me that's just a sticking point. But like you said, there, it's not just Kirk and it's not, blameless Kirk, you know, it's both. Right. So yes, exactly. That's very you have to like last year, you take know, it with a, I, with a the 500 shit doesn't really add up. Last just year. take it with a, you know, with, for what it is now, Zimmer's last three defenses have been dog shit basically. And he's had the same players and the narrative about, we got to cut all these eight veterans to make money is, Almost as ridiculous as some of the, you know, criticisms of Kirk Cousins and some of the praise of Kirk Cousins. So, I mean, 
the sure. best one I heard was the, you know, cut Kendricks. Are you out of your fucking mind? Like you have no value. You don't see anything there. Like he's probably arguably your best player on the squad. Um, we can argue about it over beers if you want, but I'm pretty sure for my money, Kendricks is the best player on the squad. Cook's there, Thielen's there, Jefferson's there, but we can talk about, you know, what, why that is. And that's not the show, but. At some point, come to grips with where you are and just deal with the fact that he's going to be here for two more years and hope that you, your brain trust can make a decision about what comes after. They definitely have time. They have two years. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah. They at least have two years. So that, you know, whether that goes into a third and fourth, we'll find out. This has been a great overall show. Um, usually we don't like to go this long, but we just had a lot to get out. We hadn't talked about it. Um, we will be doing some sort of draft stuff at the, you know, closer to the end of the month. Obviously we'll be back, um, talking these Timberwolves Tuesday, uh, and hopefully just Tuesday and not Friday. Uh, but we'll be back, um, shortly. Uh, it is Monday, so we'll be back sometime soon. Um, to talk to Timberwolves and then Vikings wise. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking some sort of draft. Uh, we'll catch you on the next time. Peace.